Let us pray. So here we are. We are your children in this building, but also online, connected. Because we are all the children of God through our faith in Jesus Christ. sometimes difficult to imagine that we are part of a greater family. Not only the family that we have biologically, but also a faith family. A family that you connect us to and that you ask us to serve in the same way that we would serve our own family. Lord, we have heard about your kingdom and how that is important to you because it is. Your kingdom needs to move into this world so that people can find a way out of desperation and hopelessness. Your kingdom needs to move into the lives of people that they may discover who God is and at the end discover you and not die a death of loneliness. But one way you are walking next to them to the next life with you. What a responsibility and what a calling you have given us as your church. So today, O oh Lord, as we're going to look at ways that we can serve, I ask it through your Spirit, you will guide all of us to grasp your will for us, that we may do the work that you've called us to do and to do it well. I ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So every week this team would gather with their coach and they would sit in a classroom and he would enthusiastically explain to them all the different plays that they need to play when they are out on the field. What the defense should do and what the offense should do. How you can come from this side and that side to make sure that you grab the ball and you can get to the end zone where everybody wants to get. They talk about it and they share it. Very enthusiastically, there is passion, there is power in their voices as they talk about the plays that they're going to do. But they never end up on the field. Week after week, they gather in the classroom. Week after week, they talk about this. Week after week, they leave the classroom with passion and with power, but never ever get to play on the field. I imagine at some point you'll get disheartened and you may say, I'm not going back anymore. Because why must I go and just hear and hear and hear and not be able to do what I have heard, what I should do? Maybe that's a little bit part of a worship service also. And I gave this a lot of thought. Isn't this what happens in a way on a Sunday in church? You've got a guy up front a little bit like the coach standing here. Hey, these are the plays that we need to play outside. This is what we need to do because we are actually part of this kingdom story of God. And we are actually, you know, placed in His presence in a mighty way. And, and we need to focus on what God wants us to do. And, and we all feel pumped up. We need to do this. But do we actually ever get out to play it on the field? Maybe the pasture is not all there for all, <laughs> and you may have one of these also. <laughs> Maybe this coaching can get a little bit tired some for some, you know, and it's a little bit hard to, to get your thing back. I'm busy with a series that's uh, based on this discipline, the Celebration of Discipline book that I follow very loosely. And the main theme for me in my series is to be closer to God. So, what does it mean to be closer to God? To be closer to God means that there can be a distance between me and God that needs to be shrunk, that needs to be made smaller. 
why is there the distance between me and God? There's a distance between me and God because I can't see God. And if you do not see someone or do not can't touch someone, then it gets harder to connect with that person. We had a similar experience when we moved from South Africa to here. A lot of our friends stayed there. And after time, we've been here now for 20 years, a number of them we still are good friends with, but a number of them just disappeared a little bit. Because of the distance and because of sort of a lack of communication, because that's what happens sometimes when you are not close to one another. So the same can happen with me and God. I, I, I'm a friend of God. I'm a child of God. And because there's this lack of communication, this lack of being together, then there's a drift that takes place. So the main reason for this series is for me and you to discover, but there's actually something I need to do that I can make sure that I don't drift away from God, even though I am a child of God. And how do I stay close to God? And this is what we said are the inward disciplines. And if you want to know way more about this, there's a Sunday school class on Sunday mornings at 9.15 in the C building that teaches this now in depth that I'm not doing here from the pulpit. The first thing you and I need to do to be closer to God is to be with God, to actually, and this is the word there, biblical meditation, to actually think about God way more than I normally would. This world wants to grab my attention in every single way, shape, or form. And I think about life and about functional things, but seldom really do think about who God is in my life. The second thing is to talk to God. Many times our prayers are you know, these 20-second prayers that we quickly pray when we need to, to eat or when we are leaving our house. Lord, be with me today and, and take care of my kids and whatever and and it's less than 20 seconds, and it's done, and I spent the rest of my days talking to other people, but not really to God. Then there's this thing to have time for God. Actually to put time aside for God, and that's what we are doing on a Sunday. We are actually putting time aside to really sit with God and to hear what He wants me to know about Him and about myself. And then we said the inward disciplines also includes to study to read the Word of God and actually to discover something about God. So many people talk about God, but they do not really know who this God is that they are talking about, about because we have never sat with Him and allowed Him to speak to us. And then we've got the outward disciplines is to focus on the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is part of my life. And, and when I understand what the kingdom of God is, my life will be somewhat simpler because it's not about me anymore, it's about God. Submission, I spoke about that last week. It's actually to obey, to actually say to God, well, you are God and I'm not, and I need to listen to you. And today, service. That's why we are dressed like this, because the focus of this worship service today is service. So what text must I use to preach about service, I thought. The Bible has countless of texts that actually refers to doing stuff and actually to serve the kingdom of God and whatever. And I decided to use a very old, very known theme that we, I think all of us know very well. It has to do with the story of the Good Samaritan. And I'm going to read it for you real quickly. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus and he said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's about heaven. The question is, 
He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who's my neighbor? And Jesus answered, a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But the Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went down to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them, then he put on his, on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, the innkeeper, uh, the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spent. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And he answered, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Now, I've preached on the subject before, and you can preach two or three sermons just on the story, but today I've got one focus only, and that's what, it, what has to do with service. The first lesson that we discover here is our love for God in action. So this man came to Jesus and he said, so what must I do to be saved? Now, we know the answer is to believe in Jesus Christ. That's the answer. But remember, there is now still people living in the Old Testament understanding, and, God, and Jesus said to him, so what does the Lord teach you? And he says, the Lord teaches me that I need to love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength, with everything I've got. That is what defines us as followers of Jesus. You see, the moment when I say I believe in Jesus Christ with all my heart, I'm actually saying I believe in God and that this God is the one that actually created me, that's with me on the path, and I will do whatever to make God the God of my life. You see, to have a God means that this God is higher than I am or anything else in my life. This God is supposed to be the main purpose and focus of who I am. But then the story continues, where Jesus tells about the Samaritan. Now, I'm not going to talk about the Levite and all the other guys. That's not important for today. But a Samaritan, remember now, they were not really regarded by the Jews as, 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 as being worth, worthy. The Samaritans was a group of people that were north of Israel, and they were left behind when the Israelites were taken into exile. And when they came back from exile, they said to the people living in Samaria, you guys didn't go where we went, so you missed out on all this punishment, so you guys are now half of what we are, and we are not going to accept or allow you to be a part of our worship service, a part of who we are, a part of our nation anymore. So they said to the Samaritans, you guys are sort of unclean. We are, we are not interested in who you are. They sort of pushed them to the side. They were the lower-ranked people within the Jewish community even though they were completely Jewish. The Samaritan saw this guy in need. He saw this guy in need, and he felt sorry for him. That's where it starts. That is where it starts. 
You, you see, the problem with us is that we look at people around us, and I'm not really sure if we care for people enough anymore. There are so many people in this world that irritates me beyond what you can imagine. Personally, for me. Just go on the I-4. You'll find a number of those. You know, where I live, there are some guys, I do not know what they did to their cars, but they don't have an exhaust anymore. You know, you can hear them come all the way from Winter Garden, maybe a pop car, and you can hear them drive past Disney still. That's at 2 a.m. in the morning. And I lie in bed and I wish them things that you do not want to know sometimes. And then there are certain yeah, people, you know, that surround us that are so different from who I am and how I perceive life in whatever view they have. And my personal normal instinct is, let them just leave me alone and go away. And sorry for saying this. And sometimes subconsciously we say, I just go to hell. And you know that's actually what we are doing if we don't love them. We are sending them to hell. So in this story, the Samaritan sees a guy lying there and he knows he's a, he knows he's a Jew because he's now in Jewish territory. He's not in the Samaria territory. These are the folks that they do not like that much and don't like him that much. People that he would say, oh, he, this guy can go to hell, but I am concerned because they have treated me horribly all along. But in the story, two things happen. He sees him and he felt sorry for him. And then I realized while I'm lying in bed and this guy is driving with his big beat car down the road, big beat, no speed many times. <laughs> a lot of noise, but not going anywhere. But while I'm lying in bed and this guy irritates me so much, I said to myself, Ferdy, you can't really feel about this person this way because if you stop next to him to a streetlight, what am you going to show him? Jesus or a finger that he doesn't need to see? That's what we do. So in my heart, I need to make a change that when I see a person like this, how do I feel about this person that I would like this person to be in heaven with me? Think about that for a moment. Every human on this planet belongs to the only holy living God and judgment is not mine. What is mine is the task and responsibility to share the gospel story of Jesus Christ because without Jesus, these people are lost. They do not know how much they are missing out on life and eternal life without my story to them, without my compassion to them. And therefore, this story tells us to see what we need to see through God's eyes and to feel what we're supposed to feel and have the servant's heart that Jesus had for, for us. And that's why I have the scripture here. While we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person Though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What Paul is saying here is that, you know, you, you know I, I will die for my children. I will die for you guys. You know, if a guy comes to that door and he wants to threaten us, I'll be the first one to run towards him to protect you guys. But for that, for that guy with a spider tattooed on his face and a thing through his ear that has just been released from prison, will I want to die for him also? 
or just run and say, you get what you deserve. What Paul is saying is that the example we have of Jesus is that he came to us while we were still his enemies. And he said, I care. The second thing, and, and I'm almost done. I don't want to keep you to this long this morning. We've got other stuff to do. He got off his donkey. He got involved. He tended to him and he paid for his stay with personal sacrifice and service. He got off his donkey. That's what we sometimes need to do. Now, you can put any word in that we need to get off, get off from. <laughs> for him, it was a donkey. But we actually need to get off something and start moving and doing. So what did he do? He got involved. Many times when I do a, a wedding, I would tell a story of me and Louise that's actually true. Uh, Louise was pregnant with Ferdinand, so that was many, many, many years ago, 35 years ago. And we got stuck on a Saturday afternoon on a road, a very rural road in South Africa. We were coming from her parents' house. I had to get to my house, and my car's thing, the alternator broke. So eventually it ran out of battery power, and then the car stopped. And I was standing next to the road, and, and my wife is pregnant, and our dog is in the car. And I'm standing there, and there are seldom cars coming by. And then I saw a car coming, and I started to wave, because it's just a small two-lane road. And this guy, I could see, look at me. But I knew what was going on in his mind. I don't have time for this now. He wants to get back home. It's, this, it's dusk on a Saturday evening. Evening, He wants to go home, be with his family. And now you've got this guy standing next to the road with a broken car, and that's his fault. It's not his fault in the car. And he drove past. The second guy came by after 20 minutes or so. Same thing. I started to wave him down. He looked at me, and I saw what happened in his eyes, and he drove past. And I think he looked in the rearview mirror. Maybe he felt guilty for a moment. Oh, shame. But somebody else will help. By the grace of our living Lord, at some point, someone did come to help us. That was before cell phones. BC, before cell phones and children and all these things. You see, to get involved takes time. It disrupts your schedule and your program. So now when I drive and I see a person next to the road, in America there's always someone coming, but, but not always. So when I see a car next to the road, I always say to myself, I stood there, maybe I should now stop and get involved. And, and you can ask Luis a few times, I did, and he'd take two or three hours out of my day. Because then I had to help to fix a tire or whatever, whatever had to happen at that point. You, you see, that's what the Lord asked of us, and this is what this guy did, and this is what the living Lord did for us, is he got involved and he disrupted his program with respect. Because I believe Jesus has a lot of work to do except tending to us. And he tended to him. He reached out and he helped him with his wounds and whatever that he had, and he actually paid for him financially. And it all came down to a personal sacrifice and service. So if you, if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. You know, in the time of Jesus, the, the, the slaves would wash feet. That was their task. The people wore sandals. They didn't have the covered shoes as we have. The, the roads were extremely dusty. 
Um, a meal would not be sitting at the table like this. A meal would be that you would lie on your left elbow and you would eat with your right hand. So your feet would be extended in this way and the other person's head would be there and they would lie like this and then like this. So they would lie in a circle sort of around the place where they, where they would eat. So we see these pictures of the Last Supper and they're all sitting nicely at the table. That probably didn't happen. They were actually mostly lying around this table thing. That was the, the, Eastern, the Eastern culture. But that meant that your feet were very close to somebody else's head. And, and to be appropriate, they would always have then a slave come and wash the feet of people, and that was the work of a slave. There was no slave present in the upper room. So when Jesus and his disciples were there, he looked at his disciples, and he is the master, he's the rabbi, he's the one with the most clout, he's the one who's the son of God. And he took a towel and he dealt tied it to his waist, and he bowed down, he started to wash feet, and Peter said, no, you can't wash the feet, I'll do it, you know, don't wash my feet, the Lord said, I need to wash your feet also. He said, because what I'm doing now is what I ask of you guys, is actually to go out and to wash feet. The work of a slave, in a sense. So as Christians and as followers of Jesus, the Lord comes to us and He says, you know, the world out there belongs to me, not to you. The world out there has a lot of dirty feet and dirty lives and horrible lives. No one else is going to wash their feet. Nobody else is going to care for them in the way that you do. Nobody else is going to serve them in the way that I would like you to serve them. And therefore, my children, you are my final team that I'm going to send out. There is no team behind us that's going to come. There's no B or C or D team. We are the A team of Jesus in this world to have a compassion for the world that we live in. That neighbor that irritates you beyond. That person is living next to you maybe because God knows you. The only one that can help that person. See something about Christ. I have a, in my neighborhood a neighbor that's the weirdest guy I've seen in my life. He sort of doesn't live next to us. There's a little road thing and it runs to a house and every time when he sees anybody he yells at them we had people come to our house one evening and he yelled at them because you know he thought their cars was across the street and they are parked in front of his house and his house is not there it's just a little road so i walked up to him one day i said hey man what's going on and he started to yell at me also i saw him two days ago and i stopped and i said how are you doing well i'm fine i said if you need anything i'm here to help you He's one of those guys that just makes everybody in our neighborhood extremely angry. But why does he live across the street from me? Because maybe I am the only one that living Lord will send to ask him, how are you doing? And hopefully one day he will say, let's have a chat because I won't let go of him. I can't. I can't. He's the guy next to the road that I don't want to get involved with because he irritates me, but I am there placed by God's grace maybe for him. Will I get through? I've got no clue. No clue. But I need to try. I need to try. Why am I preaching the sermon? Now, you can't really see, and I'm really glad. We had a small exodus in our congregation. Um, the Hudson's left, the Myers left, the Couches left, the Junior Strouds left, the Senior Strouds left, the Jeannie Mathis left, the Armstrong family left, the Junior Hawk, this family or person is leaving, uh, the Meyer, uh, Melody Meyer left, Sean Petrinak left. And the reason why I have this 
is because we talked about it Tuesday evening at our Board of Elders meeting, and deacons were there and all the staff. If you are interested, there's a document lying in the Nordics that's actually the agenda of our meeting we are Tuesday evening. We have plugged a lot of these holes that you can see there, but what's, what's amazing, I spoke to a pastor in our, in our, in our, in our um, presbytery, <laughs> to our pastors, there was a number of them. I said, are you guys also experiencing this? Yeah. One pastor told me they've lost 28 families due to the pandemic. Not because they are dead, they're just moving. Even my next-door neighbor that lived next to us for 20 years, he said to me, I'm moving. I said, why? I can't sell my house. I'm going to Texas. I heard this morning. It's now Texas. I thought they were just going down the street. Now they're going to go to Texas. Another family in our congregation I heard on Saturday. They're also moving to South Florida. Because it's time to sell. It's time to move. We thought about our life and we think there are better places to go than just be where we have been for the last while. What makes this very interesting is that most of these people that moved away, not because they don't want to be with us, they were all crying, we, oh, we're going to miss our church. All of these people were extremely involved with our congregation. So if you would come to the front door, the people that normally stood there, they gone. The people that when we had fellowship events that did everything, gone. Fall festival, all the people with our, involved in our fall festival, gone. Buildings and grounds, most of the people that did a lot of stuff around the building, I would say a third, gone. Okay. So what does it mean? It means that you and I need to start to serve. Why? Because Ferdy is asking you to serve? No. Because this is the body of Christ. You see, Jesus doesn't own a bank or a checkbook. So when anybody needs money, and a, and a little widow is praying on her knees there in the street down, in the, in the house down the street. And she says, Lord, I can't pay my rent. Lord, will you please help me? Lord, I pray that you will help me. Guess who's going to help her? The Church of the Lakes. We are the bank of Jesus. We've got his checkbook. And we've done it. We have given away thousands and thousands of dollars to people that are in need. We are the answer to their prayer. And we do it diligently and carefully because we need to be good stewards of God's money. But this is what we do. Because I believe with all my heart, her prayer can only be answered through us because Jesus doesn't own a bank. He gives to us and we give it away. It's not our money. The moment when money finds its way into a plate, it's God's money, it's not our money. And therefore I get somewhat upset if somebody forgets to turn off an AC. Because we can't use God's money and waste it on parables. We need to buy Bibles and help people that are in need. But it's not only helping people that are praying for help, but it's also serving this body of Jesus, because this body of Jesus actually needs to function well, that the world might know that the kingdom of God is continuing to thrive in this world. So, where can I serve? The Lord wants me to serve. Where can I go if I get off my donkey thingy? Where? Here and there. Here? Choir. Technology booths. Now, 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 let me explain to you. We've got two families in our congregation at this point. They can't go away at the same time, then we will not have a worship service. Those folks and the girls call each other and say, are you guys going to be here next weekend because we want to go away? They can't go away if the girls leave because we've got no one working in the booth. All girls, all Bumler weddings are Manning and Scott uh, McLemore. 
But most all of the work being done by two families, that is not how it should be. We need to have layers of people that can help us. So we need people that have some technology understanding. Creative technology is, if you know how to make PowerPoint slides look nice, Grant did this on Wednesday afternoons for hours. He would sit, you saw the music before, you saw all this running stuff behind the words. Grant would do this for us, and there's a way to do it that I have no idea, I do not know. But he said we need people to be able to do this because he's leaving in August. Now, who's going to make our slides look nice? One of you. <laughs> the snacks before and after church, those people are all gone. So we need, uh, Madeline is helping, and, and, and Jeannie did some of the stuff and whatever, so we need people to help us with snacks before, a little something to eat to give you energy not to sleep on the bench here. After he worked us to death yesterday at CrossFit, a little bit, so I can't do this anymore today, but that's okay. And then after church, we've got normally snacks. The golf cart ministry, um, I had someone say to me, the golf cart didn't run last week. I said, yeah, I know the lady, the girl that's doing it for us, they're on vacation. And this person said, but I've got an elderly person with me, and we almost couldn't get this person to church because I said, come, because they've got a golf cart now. So I called my son this morning, phone out, you need to get here early. The golf cart needs to run. And he comes with the baby bouncing on his arm, right? We need people to drive that little golf cart if my golf cart person can't be here and she can't be here every Sunday. Children's ministry. What happens here around? This is on a Sunday. We've got a number of kids that will be back in the fall and we need people to help us and help the lady in the back who's going to do our children's ministry. Security, that's of extreme importance. We've got people that are part of our security team. A while ago, there was a situation, and it was amazing to me to be here and to just see our security team form a half circle around the situation. We've got people that will make sure that everything is okay here. Our bread-baking mystery now, that's also the bumbler wearing girls, but they can't do it all by themselves. Then we've got our Sunday school. We're going to have a Sunday school for the youth and the children coming this fall. By the grace of our living Lord, Tammy McCarris at the back and her sister are going to do the Sunday school program for us, but they will also need volunteers and help, so you can sign up. I'll explain. Worship service preparation. Lots of stuff needs to happen around this building on a Sunday morning. If you are here a little bit earlier, let us know. I tell you, there are certain things that need to happen. You've got no idea how many people are necessary to have a worship service on a Sunday. Other ways to serve our youth ministry. We actually got a couple now that's going to do our youth ministry because all our youth leaders left. We had four. All of them are gone. I was the youth guy at some point. 30. I'm as old as a rock. Now we've got a couple. Fantastic. They said, we'll do this, but they will need help. So we need people there. Children's ministry, that's now not on a Sunday, but on a Wednesday. The Little Fishes Preschool Board, we need people on the preschool board. We Fellowship events, kitchen support, fall festival. Building maintenance, yard work, prayer garden, pavilion, yard work. Doris Tittle, where's Doris? She's just, she's like 50 or so. Um, maybe 60, I do not know, but she works like someone that's 70 or maybe 90. Uh, Doris is in her 90s. And she pulls weeds. And one day she said to me, Ferdy, I'm not sure how long I'll be able to do this because our yard needs to maintain. We've got people that mow and blow. But there are certain things that need to be done. Did you see all the mulch outside that has to be placed? Poor, uh, uh, where is he now? Fraser Howe. I thought he was going to work himself to death alone. He was pushing all the mulch and trying to get rid of all the mulch. mulch. That's not going to happen again that one guy has to move all the mulch. You can sign up and say, I'm there if that's necessary. And then our prayer garden and pavilion. 
our prayer pavilion. Never knew this, but Richard would come and once a week would blow away all the leaves and make sure the prayer pavilion were clean. I forgot. I walked into the prayer pavilion a while ago and I saw, but the leaves are this deep there. And on Monday evenings, our AA group that serves meets here, they use it. Uh, um, a young life that uses our facilities, yeah, they use the prayer pavilion. Uh, other groups and people in our neighborhood I see now use our prayer pavilion. I thought to myself, how is it possible that we have a prayer pavilion that looks like this? It's not a good reflection on who we are. So I asked one guy, I said, will you blow it for us? He said, I'll blow it for you, but I need someone to help me or two or three because I will not be here every week. You can sign up for the prayer pavilion on one of these forms. Missions. We've got a food packing ministry that COVID sort of put on hold, but we will continue soon. Edgewood Children's Ranch, we need volunteers there. Our Alpha program, we always need volunteers there. The 100 Homes Project, I'll talk about that in a moment. And then Compassion and Needs Ministry, if you feel you care for people and you just want to help a little bit when people are in hospital or need food, let us know. Or whatever you want to do. I had a lady come to our church a long time ago and said, I think I want to do health ministry. I said, it's yours. Go for it. They moved away. That health ministry is still here. Something that she had as a passion and she started in our congregation. So what am I going to ask of you? Not now, but after this worship service. For every single one of those things that you see there, there's a sign-up sheet. So there it says, Sunday. There it says whatever. And there it says mission. So this is going to be here for a while. Not only today. Also next Sunday this will be here. For the people watching online, you can't be here and sign a form, but you can send out an email because we're going to send out this list to the congregation and you can look at this list and decide where does the Lord want me to serve? Because we need to get off our donkeys and do something for the kingdom and it starts sometimes here where we love our neighbor. Who's our neighbor? It's the one that's the closest to us. You see, this guy came and he said, who's my neighbor? And the Lord flipped his, his question. He said, it's not who's your neighbor. Are you a neighbor? That's the answer. It's not a question, who's my neighbor? Because then I can decide if I like a person or not. The question is, am I a neighbor to whoever? needs to be served. Let me just say something about the 100 Homes Project. On August the 8th, it's a Saturday, and the 9th we are going to have, is it now the 7th and 8th or the 8th and 9th? I can't remember. Say again? 7 and 8. On August the 7th and 8th we're going to have our rally weekend. On the 7th we're going to have food trucks here. Two or three food trucks, I think it's three. Two with food and one with dessert. Yay! That's what we're going to have. Um, that's the Saturday. On the Sunday, we're going to have a rally day, just inviting people to come to church and then have a luncheon, a barbecue luncheon afterwards. Before that event, we are going to try to reach 100 houses, the closest 100 homes to this building. And I will get all of this done. I'll give you the list, and we will divide people. To just go and knock on that door and say, we've got a food truck event on Saturday evening. Would you like to come? That's all. That's all. Because I thought at some point, we are a community church, and I have no clue if we've ever talked to the closest hundred houses to this building. Do they know that we even are here for them? 
And maybe just by walking out and knocking on a door and say, we've got a food truck event, you're welcome. And here's a $10 gift card, you want to come and get food on us. Who's going to say no to that? And maybe they will discuss, discover something about who we are. So there's also a sign-up sheet if you want to be a part of the 100 home project. If we have 10 people, you only need to do, knock on 10 doors. If we have 20 people, you only need to knock on 5 doors. If you are 25, you only need to knock on 4 doors. So the more people that sign up, the less doors we need to knock on to just bring out this invitation. But also there. We serve not only the congregation of Jesus Christ, but we serve the world around us. Who's my neighbor? My spouse. My children. Sometimes it's the hardest to love the people the closest to you, isn't it? Because they irritate you the most. And those are the ones that the Lord says you need to love the most as a child of God. So we need to serve our family, our friends, the world around us. Because this world is hurting and the Lord looks from heaven and he says, that kid needs help. Who can I send? And he looks at the church of the lakes and he says, guys, help. How can we say no? Okay, final slide. Who else? What else? Some people say, but I can't sign in for any of these. I, I can't. It's just impossible for me. Then your ministry can be to pray. Your ministry can be to smile. Your ministry can be to call, maybe. Or just send an email. Or a Facebook posting. Or a, I hear this Yelp and Welp. I, I, all of these things. I, I have email. That's what I've got. I do not understand. I, and I know a, a telex. You know, third year's home. Stop. Um, try to mow the lawn. Stop. That's now, you know, how the telexes worked in the old days. That's, I understand that. To post something to be the heart of God. Let the same mind be in you that was in Jesus, who through, though he was a form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to exploit it. He emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Let the same mind be in you. Who's the you? The followers of Jesus. It's us. My final slide. Jesus was walking along. He saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth and he said to him, follow me. He got up and followed him. As a follower of Jesus, you and I will be placed sometimes in circumstances that are uncomfortable, not that easy. That will take some energy. That will disrupt our schedules. But that's why he called us. That's why he called us. He's not going to use angels. He's going to use us. That the kingdom of God may come here and outside.